0: he The text for the sermon this day is taken from John 10, which was read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from our God and Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Just a little joke. Did you know that Jesus preferred Hondas? Because it says right here, of my own accord. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Really cheesy joke, but, anyways, whatever I see that I think of that joke. But, anyways, today is Good Shepherd Sunday. which we, And so we have this passage of the Good Shepherd. But if you read this passage and you really think about it, in the eyes and the mind of the world, the Good Shepherd is also a little bit of a lunatic shepherd. He seems a little crazy. Because when we think of the sheep that Jesus, that the good shepherd is protecting, we tend to get the image that the sheep, and this is partly because of, our, of the paintings and the drawings we see, we often imagine that the sheep are cute and fluffy and um, absolutely adorable. But in reality that the sheep that this good shepherd is pro- protecting is mangy, it's maggoted, it bites, it kicks. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It tries to wander in every direction it can find. These, they're the, the sheep where the, where the fur is just hanging off of its flesh. Nothing is pretty about it. Then you have the fact that this good shepherd... When he raises these sheep, it's not like most who raise livestock. Most people who raise livestock, even in that time, had the intention that it was going to be sold. Or it was going to be used for the purpose of, at the minimum, it might be used for the purpose of Passover. But this shepherd plans to raise these sheep all the way to their old age, as long as they can possibly, it's possible. In fact, he hopes that they will never, ever die. That they will just keep going and going. And should one of these sheep decide to break free from the fold and decide to wander off, this shepherd's going to leave all the other sheep behind and go and track down that one that wandered and bring it back. And when that wolf comes... That wolf is going to come and he's going to be staring down those sheep because they look so tasty to the wolf. Many of you, if any of, for those of you who own livestock, if you had a coyote or a wolf or whatever approach, if you saw it coming, you would not. you would probably come out with a shotgun or whatever to try to chase it off. While the good shepherd... He doesn't bring the staff or anything. He just lays it down and he lays himself down with the intent that the wolf would chew him up and eat on him so he'd be so full from feeding on the shepherd that he would, have, he would be too full to eat the sheep. Realize how nuts that is? To do that for sheep that are undesirable, that nobody really wants? How many of for those of you who own animals of any kind, how many of you would make sure that, it, that a wild animal would eat you just so your, pe, your, your animal would live, even if it's a cat? Whatever animal you might have. Some are saying, definitely not a cat, but... <laughs> That is what the good shepherd does. It's crazy. But the thing is, is in this discourse, in this sermon, we are those sheep. We are the mangy sheep. We are the maggoted sheep. We are the ones that bite and kick. We are the ones that like to wander we are the ones that really are not very desirable. We are the ones that of ourselves have no value. And the hired shepherds who are charged to watch over these sheep are actually the pastor. The pastor is the... If you were to ask the average pastor that has children, so I can't answer this, I don't have children. But if you were to go up to them and say, hey, would you like to sacrifice? Would you be willing to sacrifice your son or daughter for the congregation you serve? Very few pastors would say yes, and the reason is is because pastors are not the good shepherd. In fact, these hired shepherds are just as mangy and maggoted of sheep as all the other sheep. They just happen to be the ones that the good shepherd chose out to guide those sheep. Kind of like the alpha sheep. I don't know if there's such thing as alpha sheep or not. But maybe some of you know, I don't know. But if there is, if there is, there you go. If not, pretend there is. That's basically their purpose. The one job of that shepherd, that hired shepherd, is to point all the sheep to the good shepherd. But the reality is, even those hired shepherds, even pastors can wander from the flock. There are definitely pastors who've walked away from the faith. I know of, an, I know of a few of them. And the good shepherd, of course, is Jesus. And that wolf is a three-headed wolf. The three-headed wolf of sin, death, And the devil. And he sees the good shepherd. And the good shepherd who is Jesus laid himself down on the cross. And he laid himself down of his own will. No one forced him to do it. He was completely in control. He laid himself down that that sheep, that wolf, would have his fill on Jesus. And so he tore into the flesh of him on that cross. The devil had his way with Jesus. So that he and Jesus allowed it to happen so that the devil would not have his way with us. But you see, the wolf chewed down too much. And he got onto a bone and he has been gasping on it choking on it ever since that cross. As it says in in Genesis, the head of the serpent was crushed. So that wolf is out there gasping for air, choking, waiting for that moment that he's going to choke out that last breath. And that good shepherd, he he rose up. Stronger than he was before he laid himself down, mighty and glorious. But that wolf is not going to give up. He knows he can't devour the good shepherd, so he is walking around, just slowly pacing back and forth around the flock. And he's whispering, saying words that he could, whatever words he could think of, to lead you out of the flock. And the flock is the body of believers. The holy Christian church, which we confess of in the creed. And so he walks out there. Sometimes he disguises himself as another sheep. Sometimes he tries to convince us that he is the good shepherd. And he's going to find whatever way he can to get us to come out of the flock. So that way he can devour us And feast on us. The devil still works tirelessly to devour the people to devour God's children. And if you think that the minute you become a Christian, he goes easier on you, or when you get confirmed, it becomes easier. That's not true. In fact, the devil doesn't work that hard on non-believers. Because these are already a part of his buffet. He wants you a part of that banquet, of that meal. And so he works far harder on Christians than he does on non-Christians. Because he wants nothing more than the taste of your flesh. And so he is walking on and on, trying to find the right words to lure us in. And some people think that they could fight off this wolf all on their own. They don't need any help. They could go out on their own and they could handle the wolf. Now, if you were to put a wolf and a sheep in a closed, in a locked room, who's going to win? And it's not Wiley e. Coyote. He'll probably he'll probably mess up with those Acme um, supplies. The sheep. It's going to lose every time. We do not stand a chance against the devil. He's older. He's smarter. He's more powerful than we are. The only way to stand against the devil is to hear the voice of the good shepherd. To hear it as much as you can. Hear it in Bible studies. Hear it for kids in Y-Doc, in Sunday schools, in confirmation, for teenagers in youth group. When you graduate and you never ever out-tire it, you keep going to Bible classes. Keep seeking out opportunities to hear God's word as much as you can. Because think about it. There are 10,080 minutes in a week. And I'd venture if if you go to church only, that is 80 minutes a week on maximum, and that's probably on a communion Sunday. So 80 minutes on a communion Sunday that you spend in church. How does that compare to the other 10,000 that the devil is walking around whispering? The reason we spend time in God's word The reason we spend time in his sacraments is so that when the devil whispers we will right away know it is not his voice because we are so familiar with the voice of the good shepherd that the devil can't fool us. God's word strengthens you against the attacks of the devil because he is never ending in his his desire to destroy you. Therefore, we are in His Word. We read it. We hear it. We study it. We dig into it. We have prayer. We have devotions at home. We come to Bible class opportunities where we can find them. We stand in God's Word. And what's more is we tell it to others. That they too may know the voice of the Good Shepherd, and that the devil may not feast on them. May we be in that word. May we continually be in that word until that wolf chokes out his last breath. And when that day does come, you won't be mangy. You won't be maggoted. You will be cute and fluffy. You will be a sheep. You will be holy, without spot or blemish. That is the promise of the good shepherd. That's why we stay with him. Those who hear his voice are to be without blemish. Till that day comes, to him be all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. Please stand. We confess our common faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we continue with the gathering of our offering.